Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. Good morning, Heartway. (laughs) Now you guys laugh every time I do that jazz voice, right? (laughs) I really enjoy, of course, I enjoy doing the centering prayer with you guys because I love being up here. But the other thing is it serves as an extra motivation for me to get myself into a relaxed, meditative, present state in the morning, you know. So when I know I'm going to be up here, I take a little extra time. I do my own centering prayer in the morning. I do my own, you know, little routine and I find myself in like a really relaxed Zen state. So I'm feeling good this morning. I'm feeling good. I would like to invite you to actually start off today with me by closing your eyes, if you will. My intention in this moment is for each of us to have an intimate experience with ourselves because it's beautiful to engage with people. It's beautiful to be in this loving Heartway community. But it's really a beautiful thing when we allow God to speak to us individually. And I just wanna ask you in this moment, and you can answer inwardly within yourself, How many of us want to feel better on a day-to-day experience? How many of us want to engage with a higher uh, emotional state? So many of us deal with anxiety. So many of us deal with depression. The typical American spends 70% of their life in a state of stress. Genuinely, how much do you want peace? How much do you want to bring a greater level of calm, a greater level of stability to your internal life? You know, there's something called somatic learning or embodied learning that is basically saying that we can learn through our bodies. That if we can become aware of how we feel, if we can become present in the sensations of our body, we can enter into a state of peace. We can enter into a state of relaxation. And if we would continue to hold that space We can teach our bodies, we can teach our subconscious mind how we want to feel. We can train it in peace. We can learn how to experience abundant life simply through being present in our bodies. So I invite you to engage with that right now. Get comfortable. Simply allow the breath to go in and out. Allow it to fill you with peace. 
peace on the inhale. And on the exhale, let it push out all stress, all responsibility, all worry. In this moment, the only thing to be accountable for is observing. If you feel sensations moving through your body, just observe them. They are not a threat to you. If thoughts arise, observe them like entertainment, like dancers appearing in your awareness that have no power over you. Just let them be. You are not the one doing anything. You are the one observing everything occurring. you continue to observe your breath, feel comfort, feel a deeper sense of lightness and freedom, caress your body and help you relax. shoulders are getting more relaxed, your fingers, your legs, you're feeling all of the muscles relaxing. It feels amazing. in your body, if you feel any heaviness, just let it go, surrender, observe how God's love catches you like a pillow. say the word now, use that as an indication 
an invitation to let go completely. No responsibility. Nowhere to go. Experience God's total love and grace now. In this very moment, I am being restored. In this very moment, I am being empowered. In this very moment, I am free. Know that this feeling the spaciousness you feel right now, it will not leave you. You will experience it for the rest of this service, for the rest of this day. And anytime you bring your awareness into your body, you have access to this peace. Now as one church body, let us take a collective breath together. Now ever so gently, as you would rock a baby, bring your awareness back into your body. In your own time, you may open your eyes. We love you and we thank you. Thank you, Harwin. All right, everybody. Hello once again. We, you can sit there. We are going to have a fun little conversation this morning, and I am. So happy to introduce you to a dear friend of mine. Mind you, this conversation was scheduled to happen over a year ago. And the weekend that we were going to have this conversation was the first weekend that we canceled service because of COVID. So finally, now over a year later, we found the time to get together and to speak. And now, if you've ever... You know, if you've been a part of Heartway for any amount of time, you know this is a place where you are going to come to be stretched, and you're going to be brought to the edge of your comfort zone, and we're going to encourage you constantly to be open-minded, and one of the ways that I have done that is by introducing our community to many different people from all different walks and paths of life. And today I have with me the Reverend Dr. Grace Telesco, who is an interfaith minister. Now, AKA, interfaith minister, a.k.a. unicorn, because how many of you know of an interfaith minister or have even heard of that? Exactly. One person. Okay. So Dr. Grace is a professor at NOVA. What do you teach at NOVA again? I teach criminal justice. I'm there full time. Yes. And that yes. ties into your story, which we'll get to in a yes. second. Yes. So we have two NOVA professors in the house, actually. Um, I'll introduce you to the other one later. Great. But she's a professor at NOVA. She started a spiritual community called the Darshan Center for Spiritual Evolution. Yes. She is also the founder of a seminary school, Sacred Journey Interfaith Seminary. They have master's level, doctorate level programs there. They ordain interfaith ministers. So what don't you do? <laughs> How about that? Anyways, can we give a little round of applause for Dr. Grace for being with us? Thank you for coming. 
just to get us started, tell us a little bit about your journey, your story, and how that intersects with spirituality. Yes. Uh, well, first of all, Danny, thank you so much, brother from another mother. Um, and, you know, when we had, when we sat together at the Dunkin' Donuts on Davie, I will never forget that. And, you know, when I first saw you, it was uh, Patrick Rogers had something, an interfaith thing. I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but we were there. We, I think I sang, a, I did a chant or something like that. I can't recall, but um, you were one of the speakers. And I said, this guy's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's anointed, this guy. And, and then I don't remember how we got, I don't even remember like how that went down. I don't know. You know, I was just like, you want to get uh, coffee? Let's talk. You reached out to me, yeah. or I reached, did yeah. I reach out to you? I think you reached I reached out, out, to, out to you. Okay, you reached out to me, and I was like, wow, awesome, 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 that um, this connection, because when he spoke, he ministered to me, right? And I was just like, wow, this guy is, he's off the hook. And the real deal, you know, and I, and I have a bit of a wolf radar for the real deal, and I'll tell you why I, I have that in a minute. Um, and it'll make sense to you how I could pick out the phony in the crowd. Mm. Um, but Danny, Pastor Danny, just, I was like, that guy's the real deal, right? So when he reached out to me, it was very, very blessed by that. We went, we had coffee, mm -hmm. we, we ministered to each other, mm -hmm. and it was like we were speaking the same language, you know, speaking the same language, because we do have a lot in common. Um, I was raised Catholic, um, and I'm not one of those to say, um, there's a saying out there, recovering Catholics. And I, and I really find that hurtful. And the reason I find it hurtful is because I honor my predecessors. I honor where I came from. Like, I don't forget where I came from. And I came from that, I came from that amazing foundation of being born into a family, a, a Catholic Italian family in Brooklyn, New York, right, that was super religious, super on the extreme fanatical edge, where every day they would take me to, to mass every morning, wow. and I loved it. Okay, so, you know, unicorn, maybe that's a unicorn story, because you hardly hear that from, from folks, right? That you loved it, I loved it, I loved it so much, that I wrote as a seven-year-old to the Pope and said, I know that um, you don't allow girls to become priests, but I would like an exception to be made. Oh, that's awesome. And he wrote back um, with, with this thing called a papal blessing, right? But he didn't quite answer the question, which was <laughs> give me the exception, right? So I wrote, I wrote again. And now this is as a seven-year-old, you know, now for those who don't believe in reincarnation, um, it's just weird that a seven-year-old, you know what I'm saying? It's like, that's not right. Like that something's not right with that. Well, that, this is kind of unique because my mom showed me uh, a couple of years ago a letter that I wrote to my first grade teacher, or was it kindergarten? Oh, actually, the teacher wrote this letter to me and she's like, I think it's very sweet that you want to be a pastor when you grow up. In kindergarten, what in the world? You see what I'm saying about the, the connection here, the brother from another mother thing going on? And I don't take credit for that anointing on my heart of that pull to God. Like, I, I, I don't take credit for that. that, that that's God's grace. That, you know, no doubt, not my doing at, a, at seven years old, right? And so you fast forward the tape, and um, as... Uh, never, never stopped loving God, never stopped going to church, loved my family deeply, Catholic, you know, Italian, I told you. We're very, we're like la the Latino uh, community, right? The Latino family that is like in each other's stuff all the time and just being there every single week with your family, having the family dinner. So that was my deal, you know? But then um, I came into adolescence, you know, and I, and, and Pastor, I, I also want to say how impressed I am and blown away by the young, the young vibe. 
and, and the young vibe. And then even uh, those of us who are in the older generation, we're, we're still in the younger vibe head, headset, right? But I look out and I see this, the young people here. And I just think that's um, just so, such a gift and a blessing. And I'm ministered by that, you know, just seeing you. So I'm, at, I'm an adolescent, like some of you might, might be, <laughs> or not far away from adolescence. And I started feeling a little different, a little different. And it was at that point that my family discovered that I was gay. And they saw me kiss a girl on the porch. And they pulled me out of high school and they told me that I was gonna go to hell. And they told me that the church was not happy with me anymore. And this went on and on and on and, and, and I never believed that lie. Like I never believed it. It was like, no, 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 wait a second. That's an institution that's like not God. Like God itself in all of God's amazingness made me and, and is not going to turn God's back on me. No way. Can't be. Fast forward the tape. I'm 23 and I become a cop. Remember I told you I have a radar for the phony? <laughs> right, so that's where it comes from. I became a cop at 23 years old, um, rose through the ranks, um, always still had this love of God. In fact, when I was 16, I took Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I was born again. Uh, we went from a Catholic uh, crew to a Catholic charismatic crew to a Pentecostal crew. And, and I was witnessing on the corner, Danny, I think I told you this in my Dunkin' Donuts story, um, witnessing on the corner with the bullhorn and the tracks. I don't know if it, you, you guys are probably too young to remember chick publications. Uh, those, little, those little cute little cartoon tracks that you hand out and you're witnessing, witnessing to, you know, to bring others, to convert others to Jesus. Jesus has been my way shower from jump from jump. And you say that in the present tense. Oh, absolutely. Jesus is, is my way shower. Jesus is an ascended master in, in, in my belief system, right? And when I think of all of the beliefs now that have, is in my expanded consciousness, um, when I watch the series, my, one of my clergy is here, right here, um, Reverend Max. You gotta, after service, you got to talk to him because he's he's an amazing guy, um, an amazing minister. And, and so we watch this thing called The Chosen. Anybody into it, the series, The Chosen? Okay, so blow me away, right, and, and, and see Jesus in that way, in that image that you know, because I'm tactile, so I like want to see the image of it. Um, so yeah, Jesus, my way shower still, right? Um, fast forward the tape, ground zero, 9-11, uh, before your time, many of you were two, probably, when that happened. Um, we're coming up on the 20-year anniversary. I was a lieutenant at the time in New York, was there when the first plane hit the first tower, and then ministered, as a result of my PhD in social work, I was put in a place to continue to minister. You see, even though the Pope really never responded quite the way I wanted the Pope to respond, God had a plan. Because God is above all things, above the human, in the, above the human realm. And so God placed me in this position to minister to the families. Now you can all identify with the collapse that just happened um, and all of those souls that were lost, right? And so ministering to the families was a big, big deal. And as part of community affairs where I worked as a lieutenant, that's what we did. And it was in that moment that I recognized the calling. See, because I had the calling, I had it, I had it. It was placed on my heart from, from a very young child. And so after the 9-11 stuff, which I was there for a year at Ground Zero, and it kicked my butt emotionally, spiritually, physically. And it brought me to my knees and I started self-medicating 
and I started blurring God out. It was really the first time that I had ever turned from God, but not like consciously, but unconsciously kind of like. I was like in such a blur with all of the self-medication that I was doing, right? And then and I had retired now. 2003, I retired, moved to Pennsylvania, and then came here ultimately in, in 04. And I was on a, on a definite like crash course to kill myself. I never said I don't believe in you. I never said I don't believe you, but something tragic had happened to my spirit. Could anybody identify? And it was at that point, and there was something in one of the songs, and what beautiful ministers you have, music ministers, give them a, a blessing and a round of applause, because they ministered to me here during the worship. And there was one song that they did that it was just like, yes, you came to me, you sang to me in the morning, I think the verse is, right? You sang to me in the morning, and it was that morning on January 7th, 2007, that I had a moment of clarity, and it was like, you better stop using and self-medicating. You gotta stop. And so I went into a 12-step program, and I recognized that my contact with my higher power, this, this contact, it was there, but it was unconscious. You know what I mean? I had walked away and had gotten such in a dark night of the soul, in such a crisis of faith, I was ready to take my life. But that morning, something shifted. Not through my own, because every morning I would wake up and I would be like, I know you, we can't say shit in church, right? Can, in this one, you can. You can say holy shit in church, right? <laughs> Make it holy, right? So I usually would wake up in the morning, every morning here in Florida, even though I had made that geographic move, you know, looking for the sun, looking for, for happiness, looking for joy, looking for bliss. I would usually wake up in the morning and say, like, I can't believe I'm still alive. But not that morning. So what's that? That's, that's spirit, right? That's spirit. That's spirit coming through and telling you, listen, there's a purpose. What's your purpose? Remember that seven-year-old that had the purpose, right? That I placed that on your heart. So I went into recovery. And 14 and a half years later, still strong, still in recovery, still, you know, still passionate about it. Beautiful. Okay, so what about the calling? Well, I was in a meeting, I was in a recovery meeting, and I heard somebody talking about a spiritual director, and I, and I walked out and I said, I want that. I want a spiritual director. Can you, can you send me one, you know? And lo and behold, on May 31st, that year, 2007, I met my spiritual director, a man by the name of Swami Jyotir Mayananda. And he's a guru in, in an ashram in Miami, practicing yoga. Not yoga, the exercises of yoga, but the yoga philosophy, which basically is oneness. And I am that. I am that I am. We know that God in the Jewish scripture said that. When Moses asked him, who are you? Who should I say you are? I am that I am. And so we believe in this yoga philosophy, I am that. I am what? I am that soul. I am the same ingredients as God. I am the same ingredients as God. You say, no, how, what? How? how? How could that be? Like I'm all that and a bag of chips kind of thing? <laughs> not this mind, not this body, not this limited personality, not this physical realm, but on a cellular level. Not a cellular level, a cellular level. And so I became uh, initiated in that path, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. The calling, the calling, the calling. It was still there. And so I went to see Swamiji and I said, Gurudev, what should I do? Because I feel so called. And I told him my long story about the Pope and the priest and the letter and the, you know, and Swamiji just cuts right to the chase. 
And he says, pursue interfaith ministry. Pursue interfaith ministry because at this point in my journey, I had come to recognize that there wasn't just one way, okay? So that there's Mount Everest, which is the spiritual awakening, which is the worship of God, to love God, to be connected to God, to be, having, be in relationship with God, to be anointed by the Spirit. All of that is, my, is Mount Everest. But I came to recognize in my journey that there were a couple of different routes to get there. And so my route is really a mystical one. It's a mystical one. And so when my father was dying recently, four years ago, um, it'll be four years in August, I was in a crisis of faith moment right there, right? I didn't know how I was gonna deal with this. My father dying, and then my father died, right? But I practiced some of the yoga principles. I practiced some of the Sufi principles, the Sufis that talk about that I am the lover and this God, great mystery, is my beloved. And that the Sufis believe in this beautiful intimacy, relationship with the beloved. And so I practiced that bowing into the pain idea. I practiced surrender, some of the principles of the Sufi way and the Native American way. And my spirit guides and the Jewish scriptures and the Christian scriptures and the Buddhist principles and all of these beautiful, delicious, this delicious food that I believe source has provided us humans with. All these different things, whatever turns you on. Because when you go to a buffet, which they don't even really have anymore because COVID, but when they used to have buffets, you know, it's like take what you like and leave the rest. You know, whatever turns you on. Not everybody is gonna like Italian food. It's not gonna resonate with them and their energy and their vibration and their intellect, right? But I've been gifted and blessed, and this is God's grace and mercy, I've been anointed with an understanding just like Pentecost when we understood that it was the Holy Spirit that gave each of those disciples in the upper room the ability to understand different languages, right? That was an anointing, right? So for me, I understand the different languages. So during Ramadan, Reverend Max, who was an ordained interfaith minister, graduate of Sacred Journey Interfaith Seminary. No shame in my game for that, for that branding plug. But, you know, Reverend Max does, a, does a, a fast every Ramadan. He does a fast. And we do a spiritual group called Journey to Your Inner Mecca, which is that inner journey. You know, so when we talk about Islam and we talk about jihad, jihad, you think, I say jihad, you think, Hit the deck. <laughs> Call 911. I say jihad. We hear jihad. And I know that that means the battle between good and evil within myself. Okay? Just like the Mahabharata war in the Hindu tradition, which was the battle between good and evil. Holy Spirit just shut me down. So, Pastor, please. Oh, Next I'm, question. I'm all ears. This is phenomenal. <laughs> Thank you. I'm reminded of a quote by Rumi, the wonderful Sufi mystic, who said, the lamps may be different, but the light is the same. Yes. It's fascinating for me with a background in Christianity. Christianity is my heritage. Jesus is my way and my master and my Lord, right? But I arrived at an appreciation of different religious traditions by going deeper into my own. And what I came to discover was when I started to branch out to learn from others and their paths and their way, that I was able to come back to the Hebrew scriptures and the Christian scriptures with a newfound sense of respect, uh, a new kind of understanding. 
it almost feels sometimes like I finally get what Jesus was trying to say now. Yes. But I had to kind of journey out from the tradition to be able to come back with this new appreciation. And of course, there are tons of Christian scholars and theologians that some hold multiple religious identities, others are staunchly Christian, but they are willing to conversate with people from different paths. And I started reading their literature and learning from them, and it's only broadened me. As you went out to search for the divine in all of these different paths, did you have a moment like that when you looked back at your Catholicism and the Christianity of your youth and said, oh, wait, I understand this different now. I kind of get, get it in a, in a new way. Absolutely, because there's a difference between dogma, dogma, which is man-made. Dogma is man-made. Dogma is rules. Dogma is strict, stringent, rigid rules. And if we look at Jesus the way shower, if I look at Jesus the way shower, I know that uh, he wasn't about that. In fact, that was a Pharisee thing. That was a Sanhedrin thing, right? That wasn't, that wasn't a Jesus thing. Because Jesus went to Samaria. Jesus performed miracles on the Sabbath. Jesus broke the Jewish law, which was the dogma, right? And Jesus showed us, uh, don't be afraid of the Samaritan. Don't be afraid to go to, to Tyre and to Sidon. You know, his, his disciples were probably like, are you out of your mind right now? Why are you doing that? You know, stay with your people. Stay with your people. But Jesus wasn't about that. Jesus was more about inclusivity, and Jesus understood. Now, some people say, um, or ask me the question of, you know, did you search for different religions? No, I never did. Like, I became an interfaith minister. I went to seminary. I learned then. I really immersed myself in understanding these religions through seminary. I went to New York every single month. I would fly there, and I would be immersed in these various world religions. And the, one that, and the ones that, you know, it was like sometimes dogma would bump up against you and be like, I'm not into that. I Forget that. No, that ain't me kind of thing, right? But then when I look at the light, not the lamp, I look at the light, not the lamp, and then I see. You know, in fact, there's a Hindu little parable that talks about, you know, it doesn't matter the size of the cow, the color of the cow, where the cow lives, it's all the same nourishing milk. Now, some people would say, well, pick a horse and ride it. We're here in Davie, I thought I'd do that little horse, <laughs> little horse analogy. Pick a horse and ride it. What are you? Are you Catholic? Are you Christian? Are you Jewish? Like what? What you're, you're doing? You're doing fasting on Ramadan. You're doing you're doing salat. What? What? What do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> right? For me, for me, it always really comes back in a very strong way to my Christian upbringing. It always will come back to that. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you, hundred percent is my story that I can appreciate. First of all, I can appreciate the yogic teachings, the, the, the Sufi teachings, the Kabbalah teachings, and you notice these are all mystical aspects of the religions, right? I can appreciate those through the lens and through the eyes of the Christ. Because at the end of the day, he's the most contemporary, mm -hmm. really. The most contemporary, the one who is personal to me. I don't believe that when I came up at Calvary Tabernacle and took Jesus as my Lord and Savior and was anointed with the Holy Spirit, I don't believe that it was like, oh, so now you're not anymore? And Jesus isn't your Lord and Savior anymore? Kind of thing. Like, I don't, I don't believe that. And Rev. Max, you can ask him after service if it's true, but almost always in my sermons, there's a Christian there's always a Christian kind of like spin on it, a Jesus spin. Christian, Christian has gotten hijacked, right? Just like Islam has been hijacked. That's not 
the true spiritual context. Jesus' followers I love. Some Christians, but then, but then, just on the way here, just on the way here, I was thinking, you're a big fat fraud. You're a big fraud. This is, the, this is Satan coming in my ear. You're a fraud. You have a lot of judgment still. You have a lot of criticism still. That's the cop. That's the lieutenant. I can't help it. It is sometimes it just is there, you know? It's like radar. I told you, I can point out the phony in the crowd, right? But, but that's not really for me to do, is it? It's not for me to do. That's for God to do, not for me to do. So I need, I need work in this area. I need prayer in this area. I need growth in this area. I need healing in this area. And it's probably because I have some injuries. And that's why I do it. See, the Holy Spirit said, okay, put, press pause, go. The German mystic Meister Eckhart, who I mention often because he is from the Christian tradition, uh, once said, theologians of the world may quarrel, but the mystics of the world all speak the same language. Yes. How would you describe that language as a student of the mystical path? Yes. It's an intimate interfaith relationship with God, number one. It's not through any other person. Now, it gets, the vibration gets really magnified when we have what we call satsanga. That's a Hindu word, Sanskrit word for good association. It's also another word for congregation. Okay, so you got satsanga, which is what you're having right now. It, this is a congregation, this is a community, this is a family, a spiritual family, right? And so, for me, it's this relationship with God. It's this relationship with others and recognizing that they're not separate from me. This is my, this is my area of, of growth that I need. Okay, I'm not preaching right now. I could preach till the cows come home, another Davy kind of analogy. <laughs> I could preach till the cows come home that, you know, guess what? I, 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 lo I love God endlessly. And, and it has not wavered pretty much my life, 61 years, okay? Has not. But my faith in man, my faith in others, it continues to waver because of what you were saying earlier about the division and the opinions and the hate. And then they hate and I hate them and they hate me and everybody hates everybody. And then where's the love and where's the Jesus peace, right? And where's the Krishna peace? And where's the Buddha peace? Right? Call it whatever you want. Call it a hat. Call it a chapeau. Right? Whatever you want to call it, it's still the same thing. It's the source of all that is. It's indescribable. You know, there's that beautiful song, indescribable, uncontainable. You know, you know that song, right? It's not nameable. How arrogant of us to believe that we could name God. It's arrogant of us to think we could name God. I don't know God. I don't know God. I experience God. Right? I, I don't believe in God. I believe God because of God's grace and mercy, God's works, and through God's attributes, just like the Sufis do a practice of the 99 names of Allah. So one of the names of Allah is Salam, which is peace. And I loved your brother. I loved your, your meditation about peace. Yes, and the way you started it off. You hooked me right away. Do you want peace? Do you want peace? Because what, 70% of our world, our lives are stressful? I can't even breathe with it. You know, it's like you think about all of the stress that I'm under because my wife, my wife is just coming out of a very bad sickness. And I've been praying and praying and praying. And you know, you, you asked me about the Catholic piece. You know, <laughs> you know guess what? Any, do I have any former Catholics in the room? Right, good. So St. Jude, 
the saint of the impossible things, you know? I, I, I've been lighting a candle to St. Jude every single day for like, you know, I, 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 cases, cases of St. Jude candles are coming via Amazon <laughs> to my house, okay? You say, isn't that a superstition? Come on, Rev G, you believe in that? I thought you believed in oneness. I thought you believed in you're made up of the same ingredients as source, and that means that all things are working together for good, no matter what is happening. So what do you care about St. Jude? It's a tool in my toolbox. Right, right, right. What would you say to those who have a fear of the other, hmm. who feel maybe that they are being unfaithful to their particular tradition by entertaining even a conversation like this or branching out beyond the religious tradition that they come from. And how have those relationships and friendships that you've developed transformed you? Yeah. So one thing that we don't do is try to convert people to interfaith. Yeah, okay, so if somebody asks me, what, what religion do you follow, if I had to check off a box, uh, it, it's going to be interfaith. It's gonna be interfaith because there's beauty in them all that I use, there's practices that I use, spiritual practices that help me get closer to God. But all of that is religion and all of that is really nonsense. It doesn't mean that we don't come together and worship and feel, and feel anointed by the Holy Spirit, right? It doesn't mean that. And we have services every Sunday night, another, another shameless plug, 6.30 on Sundays all the way in Oakland Park. Um, very far journey for you here, I know. Um, but every, every Sunday at 6.30, we, we are there and we're practicing our spiritual practice, which is darshan. We, we call it darshan center for spiritual evolution. Darshan is a Sanskrit word which means visit with the divine. But we're not into the business of converting, and I'm not into the business of converting. But what I am in the business of, because I feel that it's been placed on my heart to do, is to do what the Muslim says, dawah, D-A-W-A, dawah. Invite people to God. Not invite people to my path. Invite people to God. Invite people to peace. Invite people to love. Invite people to forgiveness. Invite people to healing. Invite people to transformation. And it doesn't matter what path you take to get there. That's my belief, right? And what I say to people who feel, like remember I told you about the Chick publication? Well, one time I was looking, flipping through the Chick publication, and I looked at the back, and they were talking about something with, with, um, with Islam. Something to do with Islam, and, and they, were, they were kind of like equating Islam with evil, and that like that person needed to get saved because they were gonna go to hell because of their Islamic belief. And that like turns my stomach, but it turns Jesus' stomach, too. The Christ consciousness, that is antithetical to the Christ consciousness. I know that. So my, 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 long, my long answer was that. My short answer is keep on doing what you're doing. If it works for you, keep doing it. And do it with everything you have in you. Don't phone it into God. Don't text God. Don't come to church once a week and think that that's it and you're good. I'm good. I'm good. Because that's not it. You have a relationship, a beautiful relationship with your wife, as do I. And if I just text her, phone her, leave notes, but never sit across from her, and be in communion with her in an intimate moment, fully present, it ain't gonna cut it. Okay, and that's the Sufi way, right? The Sufi way says, I am the lover. Not the body, not the mind, not the personality, but the soul is the lover. And God is the beloved. And I must give God that intimate time, that mindfulness, and so what I would say is, do you, do you, boo, do you, 
and do do your thing that that is giving you that love, that joy, that bliss, that communion with God, that intimacy, as the Christian mystic said, unio mystica, oneness, that one union with God, and whatever way works for you. Dr. Grace, thank you. Can we give her a hand? Oh my goodness. So many gems. Your story is wonderful. How can people continue to keep in touch with what you're doing? So I left a couple of uh, shameless brochures outside for you to, to take. One is a Sacred Journey Interfaith Seminary uh, pamphlet. If you're interested in interfaith ministry, that doesn't mean it's a conversion either, by the way. You can go to the school. It's two years of study, learning various interfaith practices and becoming a minister an interfaith minister who can do weddings, do funerals, do baby blessings, etc. Um, it's a beautiful immersion in the various faith practices from a mystical lens, if you're interested. We also have a master's in um, interfaith theology and a doctorate in divinity because we're blessed by the Florida Department of Education um, requirements. So thank God for that. We've got that accreditation. Um, and I've also left Darshan... Um, Darshan stuff for you too. So if, if you're interested in checking us out, you can come in and hear us. How about we do this again at some point, huh? I'm in. Maybe you can come and preach a nice little sermon for us. I'm in. Let's talk about Nicodemus. <laughs> That's a good one. Hey, can you maybe like uh, pray for us or give us like a blessing? I would love that. Thank you. Let's, let's stand and let's bless each other. Let's raise our hands. God, creator, great spirit, you who are as expansive as the cosmos and yet as personal as our heartbeat. We are so grateful, God, that you brought us to this place, that you introduced us to each other, that you introduced us to this beautiful ministry, Heartway Church. Thank you, God, for this pastor. Bless the pastor and his wife and all of the ministers that are here, the music ministry. Bless this congregation, God. Bless this spiritual family. Bless all of our families. Bless Darshan family. Bless Sacred Journey family. Bless all of those seekers who seek you, the beloved. Heal the sick. Heal those who are hurting. Heal those who are in pain. Heal those who are grieving, who are mourning. Bless them, God. Heal them, God. Transform their hearts with your grace and mercy. And we are forever grateful. And so as a congregation together, we say, amen. Amen. Thank you. We love you guys. Have a great week. Thank you.